Welcome to the Review Be Named podcast. This week on the show, we'll be doing a, our news roundup. We'll be talking a little bit about pilot season and the new TV shows coming back. Uh, we'll play a round of who would win in a fight, and we'll be talking about DC Comics Zero Month Initiative. With me on the show this week, we have Rachel. Hello. Chris. Hi, how's it going? And we have Sam, who is cooking a very important batch of pasta while we're podcasting. Hello, it's important because it's my lunch. It's the most important thing in the world. Lunch is important. I probably won't eat till after we finish the podcast, so there you go. Well, there you go. I know that all of our listeners were concerned about our dietary habits. Uh, Now you have a little bit more information on that front. Why don't we go ahead and move right on into the news roundup for the week, Um, starting off by... Some tragic news, uh, Linkin Park became the first band to hit 1 billion views on YouTube this week. A billion views. Chris, what do you think about that? They're still making music videos? Awesome. Good for them. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel? You know... You know, I I just never understood the appeal of Linkin Park. I always thought it was more a boy thing. I guess this kind of ties into the conversation we had last week about, like, certain pop music being geared towards women, and especially younger girls, and certain rock music being more geared towards men. But I never understood Linkin Park and their, like, screamo screaming breaks in the middle of every song. Did, like, any of you listen to Linkin Park on the regular? Like, my little brother uh, loves Linkin Park, but... when I, I think when I was, like, in middle school, I listened to it. I uh, never listened to Linkin Park, and I always thought it was, like... I figured people, like, uh, I guess bros are the right word. Like, monster trucks, uh, always wearing a baseball hat. That's the Linkin Park audience in my mind. Well, I am always wearing a baseball hat and love monster you are. trucks, so. I know. Uh, but, You're I mean, you know, they got a little bit of everything. They're, like, they're rock, but sometimes they'll just start rapping in the middle of a song. <laughs> so, uh, how could you not love it? I'm surprised that they can pull in that kind of number. For me, they were always one of those bands who were really big for a very brief amount of time, and were always going to hold on, but were never going to be big ever again. But I guess I was very wrong about that. I mean, one billion views is pretty impressive. That was in a week, you said? No, they finally reached a million. Oh, finally we should Yeah. Okay. No, if they got a billion views oh. last week, something would be very, very wrong with the world. Faith and humanity restored. Yeah, I mean, that would be like like everybody in America watching a Linkin Park video like three times. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I think we all know we do at least once a week. Yeah. Uh, We're all huge Linkin Park fans, but I mean, no I think, brave enough to I say think it. It kind of speaks to the fact that you know, like Chris was saying, it doesn't seem like Linkin Park has been relevant in a long time, but it might just be that everybody hits an age where they're kind of like, they know like Linkin Park is a part of their pop culture world. Not even that you just like it, but that you're at a certain age where like other people you know at least are listening to it. Yeah. And, they, and they're always going to be like, you know, 13-year-olds. You know, they're always going to be more 13-year-olds listening to Linkin Park, so I guess... To them, like, Linkin Park might just be as relevant now as it was to us however many years ago. Uh, so maybe maybe they're just that type of band that can always stay relevant for this younger generation. And it probably, they could probably get away with that while, you know, uh, a Justin Bieber might not be able to, or Jonas Brothers. Like, you know, I think because Linkin Park, I assume, isn't based on the fact that they're, like, young and good-looking and... You know, you, you, girls you think like they have, them. You think they have kind of like a timeless factor, like not necessarily for like an age group. You think there's sort of like a timeless appeal to them? Um, 
I can. See- I think. That, I think they have like they're like kind of stunted. Like there's always going to be an age group for them because it's not like that when their audience grows up. Unlike other acts, I feel like I guess that there are there's a younger generation that can probably come in and listen to them. Or maybe people. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people like when they were 13 were really into Lincoln Park. And have been listening to them for like the last ten years, and are still into them. I have no idea, but I know that was something like I thought like they had a couple good songs, you know, when I was in middle school. But I certainly didn't grow up with the band. It's not like I listened to them beyond. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I, I think that's an interesting point, and I think they do have good like middle school appeal. Like I knew a ton of people who listened to them in middle school, and I think that they're you know the type of music they make is sort of something that is going to be accessible to thirteen year olds. So I can see that. Um, and if they keep releasing similar albums, you know, I can see how they would keep being vaguely relevant to that very small age group. And if you think about people who watch a lot of YouTube videos, it's probably middle schoolers. And yep. Sam. And me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like 800 million of those YouTube video views are mine. So it's <laughs> Just on a constant loop watching Linkin Park videos. Yeah. My eyes. He's watching my one eyes right now. She's podcasting. Yes. I'm watching actually, a Lincoln Park video with one eye, watching pasta boil with another, or yeah. water boil. You don't want to boil the pasta. Sam is a man of many talents. Yes. <laughs> I'm um, actually right. blind now from watching uh, Lincoln Park videos so many times. <laughs> but you've got them all memorized, so they just play on and on in your head. Uh-huh. Like a wonderful dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think we've, uh, we've done enough on Lincoln Park. We can move on now um, to some Marvel movies news with uh, the announcement that there will probably be a second Hulk movie, or, you know, a third, really, but a second Marvel Universe Hulk movie. Um, but it won't be happening until after the Avengers sequel, and it may or may not have anything to do with uh, the plot lines going on in that movie. Um, so, Chris, what do you think about this, comics guy? Well, Marvel's been swinging at that one for a while now. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I think a lot of fans feel like Joss Whedon finally cracked the code of how you translate the Hulk to a wider audience. And um, I, I personally, I loved Whedon and Mark Ruffalo's take on the Hulk. Um, I would, it's not, he, Hulk is not, it has never been the favorite character of mine, but I think their take was um, so, so much fun uh, that I would, if it, as long as they're going to keep with that consistent take that we saw in Avengers, I, I'm very happy about that. Um, maybe, it's a little long to wait, but you know, I, I definitely would see that movie. I mean, I'd probably see it anyway, but I'm, I was more excited about it now than I would have been otherwise. Okay. Uh, what about you, Rachel? You know, I, I feel like Hulk movies are like Matthew Perry sitcoms and they just keep happening even though maybe they shouldn't. But, you know, I agree with Chris. I think that Mark Ruffalo did a pretty good job and, I trust Whedon to try to do it better. I, I really like the Hulk in theory, like having not read many of the comics or any of that stuff. Um, I like his backstory, and I think that um, Mark Ruffalo did a good job exploring his psychology in the Avengers movie. Um, so hopefully this will actually be good, and the little wait time on it will grow it to a place where it needs to be before they come out with it, and it sucks again. Uh, Sam? I think doing a Hulk movie is a terrible idea. Um, Not only has it not worked twice, and one of those times in the hands of a capable director, I don't remember who directed the uh, 
Ed Norton one. But um, I think if we learned anything from the Avengers is that the Hulk, in movie form at least, works best in little bursts. Uh, if you have if you have an hour and a half movie where we're getting like Hulk all the time, it's not going to be as cool. What was kind of you know seeing the Hulk in the Avengers was kind of like a special treat. I I probably I'd liken it to like maybe seeing Yoda fight for an entire movie. You know, I don't think it's something you want to throw out there too much. Just little bursts. Yeah, I, I actually think that makes sense. Um, and having, I actually haven't seen either of the previous Hulk movies, and I'm not too well versed in the character and comics either. Um, I thought that the Avengers did a good job, but also I agree, Sam, that it was sort of, you know, you had just a few minutes of the Hulk at a time, and so it was like, oh, that's cool, and then it moved on and did other things. Um, but that being said, I imagine that someone out there has a great idea for a Hulk movie that would be awesome. Uh, and if that person gets the chance to do it, and it, it is great, then fantastic. Obviously, I'll probably see it either way, although I should maybe not promise that, considering I haven't seen either of the previous ones. But now that I'm sort of invested in the Marvel movie universe, I'd probably see the Hulk movie either way. Um, I don't know how high my hopes would be for it. So um, we will, I guess, probably talk about that again in like three or four years, if it ever becomes a movie. Um, <laughs> if any of us are still alive, if... Ruby Named continues to be a going concern. Maybe it'll come up again, but probably not for a while. Um, moving on to another thing we want to talk about. Leonard Skinner uh, has denounced the Confederate flag this week. Um, Rachel, what do you think about this? You know, they denounced the Confederate flag, but not a lot of other stuff. So, you know, they're Leonard Skinner. They, didn't, they weren't... Did they actually get to play at the RNC, or did they not make it because of the hurricane? Whatever. I think it's, <laughs> it's a little bit... It's it's too little too late, probably, and the fact that people are pissed off about it is kind of just as ridiculous as the fact that they did it, but what are you going to do? Sam? Uh, this doesn't count, right? I mean, everyone in Leonard Skinner's dead, right? <laughs> yeah, only, to be very clear, only one person from original Leonard Skinner is still alive. Yeah, so this is bullshit. This is just like a bunch of guys who are like, hey, fuck the uh, Confederate flag. Leonard Skinner died in a plane crash. This is just a bunch of other guys. I think that is pretty much exactly what I plan to say on it. So, yeah. Um, Chris, what do you think? Um, I now have nothing to say on it. it yeah. <laughs> it's meaningless now. I mean, I'm someone who, like, uh, has serious problems with the Confederate flag and its place in Southern culture. So I'm glad that these random guys are denouncing it. But seeing as they are not, as Sam pointed out, Leonard Skinner doesn't have all that much meaning to me and it's not like you know the southern band legend that is leonard skinner is like well maybe we should move away from this culturally so i think in a different time had it been the original leonard skinner lineup this might have actually meant something uh but as it stands it's just kind of random and i don't care well said (laughs) um so finally we want to wrap things up with uh talking a little bit about these celebrities that are getting out there as part of the get out the vote campaign Uh, These things happen roughly every four years when we have a presidential election. You have a lot of celebrities getting politically involved. Uh, This week we saw the cast of the West Wing reunite for Bridget Mary McCormick's uh, ad in Michigan. We saw Sarah Silverman doing a Get Out the Vote thing and uh, a few other celebrities showing up. Sam, what do you think about all this? I think voting is good, Jordan. And I like (laughs) seeing the West Wing people together even though they all may be a little bit older. Yeah, on, on that note, while you brought that up, Allison Janney looks phenomenal. Like, yeah, she looks the same. 
The rest yeah. of them, the rest of them look, you know, <laughs> like they've been off the air for for six years, and they've all gotten six years older. Alice and Janney looks amazing. Um, what I want to oh, know is like, are these people just like hanging out in this universe of? Uh, because he's certainly not the president anymore. Is he just like an old man and everyone just decided to hang out with him still? They're, they're humoring him. He lost his mind years ago. He thinks <laughs> he's the president. <laughs> yeah, um, at, the, at the end of the video, they got the classic Bartlett, what's next, out there. And it's like, well, I mean, you're not the president anymore. So probably what's next is like, you go lunch, sit in a rocking lunch chair is for a next. while. And on that note... <laughs> Pasta da, update, 2012. Uh, I think I could, I'm going to let it keep boiling. I decided okay. that, yeah, water can boil for a while. Yeah, I can't I burn the water. I don't think we were, we're too concerned about uh, the water getting too boiled. Um, but please, please keep our listeners posted on the pot, pasta as it goes. Yes. Uh, Rachel, what do you think about the, the West Wing cast getting back together and, in general, celebrity involvement in Get Out the Vote movements? Well, I, I loved the, the, the West Wing walk and talk video, and I think that both that video and the Sarah Silverman voter suppression video did some really important work. Um, especially, I mean, because they're two, they're two topics that you wouldn't necessarily see a lot about. You know, a lot of, a lot of celebrities do a lot of, um, like, candidate-based work. You had all those people come out um, for Barack Obama and, you know, the big Beyonce, Jay-Z fundraiser that's been all over for the past week. But especially the topic like voter suppression and proper voter ID um, that Sarah Silverman did and exactly like what that means and the repercussions of it. Um, I think that Sarah Silverman, who I don't generally like, I actually don't like Sarah Silverman at all. I don't really think she's funny. But I thought that that video was incredibly well done. And as for the walk and talk, I mean, I think that that's another thing that people don't realize I take voting very seriously as most people will know and and people don't realize that there's a whole nonpartisan part of voting um, when it comes to some really important issues that face you on a local level it's not just voting for president it's not just voting down tickets so I think that both of them were fucking fantastic um, I was a little taken aback by the fact that Bradley Whitford has not aged that well which made me really sad um, but I also knew I mean you've seen him in things we um, knew. We've but, seen Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> uh, which kind also of broke my cast. heart a little bit, considering like I I am still in D.C. looking for Joshua Lyman, but whatever. Um, and it came at a perfect time, too, because I just completed my apparently now annual rewatching of The West Wing um, like last week. So it made me awesome. really happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you've seen the show again because, you know, I wouldn't want you to not know every single line. Yep. Um, and <laughs> I don't have an annual rewatch. It's more of a biannual rewatch for myself. Martin Sheen especially looked old. Like, Bradley Whitford, I'm kind of used to having the older look now because I've seen him in things. But Martin Sheen is uh, really, really uh, took it up a notch in terms of being aged. <laughs> well, I mean, he's But he's also old. lies. <laughs> His hair got grayer. I mean... What are you going to do about it's it? It's like, I mean, it's white now, really. I but know. I loved him. He's great. Love West Wing. I'm seeing Richard Schiff in a play in two months. What play? It's called Huey. I have no idea what it's about. But I know that Richard Schiff is in it. Is it about Huey Long? I, I do not know. <laughs> well, this is the most dead-end conversation we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Slow news week this week. We're, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there um, because, good God, I don't want to talk about that any longer. Um, and move on to our first segment for the week. We're going to talk about 
pilot season, discuss a little bit of the, the new shows that are coming out that we are excited about, or in our case, more likely not excited about, some of our returning favorites and some returning shows that we're uh, not, not that excited about. So um, why don't we start things off? Last Thursday was the return of NBC Comedy, uh, specifically for us on the podcast and for many of our fans on the website. Parks and Rec was back, which was fantastic. Um, so why don't we start, Sam, you, you sounded off on how much you love Parks and Rec a little bit last week. Why don't you start off and tell us what you thought about the episode? Yeah, I thought it was, it was a, a pretty good episode. I always, I'm always happy to have these characters back in my life. Um, I didn't think it was the best thing ever, but I thought it was pretty funny. I liked all the cameos from uh, Barbara Boxer and Olympia Snow and John McCain. I thought that was really, that was fun. I think Olympia Snow deserves an Emmy for her kind of like shrug thing, which <laughs> has set the world on fire. Um but yeah, you know they're going to have to deal with the uh, the Ben Leslie thing and them being apart this season, um, and I think they prove that it can be done and it could it could work out okay and not seem kind of awkward and weird and it doesn't all have to be uh, skyping between the two though that's how the episode ended. Uh, I thought it was a good episode. I was happy. You got Ron Swanson talking about meat, which is always going to lead to somewhere nice. Absolutely, yeah, uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a very nice return. Um, uh, very solid episode of Parks. Like Sam said, maybe not um, one of their best episodes, but um, a great episode of Parks is so many leagues above and beyond anything else on television right now in the comedy department that um, we I think we hold it to a higher standard than we should. I thought it was a great return. Um, a lot of fun plot lines, and I'm excited for where the season goes. Awesome, Rachel. Well, I just appreciate the consistent acknowledgement of how cute Adam Scott's butt is. Um, but also, yeah, I really liked Olympia Snow being on it. I love Olympia Snow. I think she's fantastic. I'm sad she's leaving the Senate. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I just, I love when shit comes to Washington, living in Washington. I always forget that I live in Washington. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I thought it was really cute. And I thought that it was a really good exploration of like Leslie Nope's character in a way that is like, you see other NBC comedies making their characters more ridiculous and a little bit more extreme in their ridiculousness. But I think that Leslie has always remained very, very human. Um, and I like what they did with her character this time around. Uh, well, first of all, you should probably go to a doctor and get that checked out if you keep forgetting you live in DC. Um, just throw it out there. Because that sounds like potentially uh, Where do dangerous. I live? <laughs> somebody somebody um, needs to walk Rachel home. I'd get that looked into. I also loved the cameos, obviously, as someone who used to live in DC, but I do recall that I don't any longer. Um, I actually worked for Barbara Boxer for a little bit, and that was a lot of fun for me. Um, and then John McCain just sort of doing the bumbling around in the background thing was funny. Um, and Leslie completely missing it was just, that was nice. Uh, yeah, I think it was, it was a solid episode. It, it didn't set the world on fire for me, but it showed <coughs> that the show is not going to fall apart with Ben and April in DC for a while and that they might even have some fun with it. So I really liked it. Yeah. I think my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the show is when, uh, Andy is trying to figure out what amalgam means. I really yeah, enjoyed that. That, yeah. was, that was great. I love Andy. He's he is a fantastic character who was not even supposed to really be a character. So I'm glad he is around. 
Me too, yeah. That was, I mean, one of the best decisions of the early show, I think, was to keep Andy around. Yeah, even when the show wasn't really that good in the first season, they had the good foresight to keep Andy around. Because Chris Pratt, I think, was just a guest star, really. Yeah, he was. I think he was supposed to be in like the first in the pilot originally, and then they sort of like kept him around as a guest star, and then made him a cast member. It's it's interesting going back watching those first six episodes and seeing just how many changes were made between those six and then what the show eventually became. And I, I mean, Andy was a lot more. I think I mean hilarious, but a little more malicious than we're used to in those first five or six episodes. And, uh-huh. Um, I, I think a lot of fans of the show we love the show so much, but we all kind of just pretend those first six episodes don't exist we just kind of acknowledge that there was something beforehand where they were all very different characters than we came to know them as and it's usually that would i think kind of drive um we i think we'd be uh criticizing that with a different show but the changes were just so much for the betterment of the show that we all just kind of like let it go which is kind of well, funny. I think I think Parks and Rec is a good case study in the idea that a, a pilot is never a way to judge a show and the first few episodes are not the best way to judge a show. Oh, you yeah. know, shows change over the course of their first seasons and especially Parks and Rec's case that had only a six episode first season so over the course of its first two seasons the show changed and it became something very different and way, way better than its original incarnation. I mean, this was a show, if Parks and Rec had stayed at the same quality that it was in those first six episodes, I don't think I would have been watching it by the end of season two. And I'm glad that it, it changed enough to keep me hooked because, you know, it's become one of my, if not my favorite comedy on television. So I think uh, it's always a good, it's a case study a bit of what happens if you give a show a chance to grow and if you let it figure itself out. Um, anything else on Parks before we move on to other new shows? I really liked Ron driving off with the still smoking grill. Yes. <laughs> that, that made was... me very happy. I like Ron. I like Ron going away in a huff. I think that's always... <laughs> Any, anything involving Ron and Meat, like you said, Sam, is is just phenomenal. Um, Ron Swanson thinks of Meat like I like to think of Meat, so I'm a fan. I like um, the, I like the pig was named Tom, and he's like, yeah. well, that's his given Christian name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so welcome now, back. Parks uh, let's back. stop by for a moment uh, with the office, Chris. You said you watched a little bit of the premiere. Oh, I, wa- I watched the, the whole rest thing. Of us. Oh, you did? Yeah. So did I. Oh. oh. Wow, it was just braver than me then. Great. All right, so let's talk about The Office for a minute. I didn't watch it at all, so someone else tell me what you thought of it. I think I think the most significant part, and I'm sure you guys will agree with me if you watched it only ten minutes. In the first, like in the in the cold open, they kind of Pam and Jim like acknowledge the camera crew, and they're like, kind of like, "Are you guys like done yet with this?" And it's kind of like, "Oh, we're filming you to like you know." They like completely broke the fourth wall. I know they did that a little yeah. bit when uh, Michael left. But um, this was, like, probably the biggest breach of the fourth wall they've done. And I actually kind of liked it. And I got the sense that this was something that they've had in their back pocket uh, probably the last few seasons. They probably were, like, waiting to use it for the last season. Basically, what they're setting up this final season to be is, you know, thinking all the way back to the first season, you know, Jim always said, like, oh, this is not what I want to do. This is not where I want to end up. Now it looks like this season is going to be Jim figuring out a way to move on with his life and take a next step, which I think is kind of a good idea for the last season. I mean, the show is not obviously not as good as it was, you know, however many seasons ago, but I think it's a good decision to to go with for the last season because I think at least with Jim and Pam, because Jim and Pam have kind of been in stasis since, you know, since they got engaged, I think, uh, you know, they've had a bunch of babies and shit. Um, and they're and they've kind of uh, 
you know, provided a foil for this storyline with having these two new guys come who are kind of, they kind of look like Dwight and Jim. So, you know, Jim sees like his past and how this kid thinks he's going to like go on to do all these great things. And Jim's like, oh, you're going to be stuck here forever like me. And that kind of depresses him. So I think that was a good idea. I didn't think it was a, a super funny episode, but I kind of like the, what they've kind of set the the last season up for. I think it's a good idea. Uh, does anyone know if Clark Duke is a is a series regular now on that show? Is he the uh, the Dwight looking kid? Yeah, yeah. Um, I assume he is. I he's assume been a, he'll. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He, he's a he's a funny guy. Like I, I I like him, and whenever he shows up and stuff. I've yeah, I've seen him around. He was in like a Hot Tub Time Machine. Right? Yeah, yeah. He was brought on as a series regular. Okay. Yeah. He uh, he was hanging out with Michael Sarah for a while. Like they were doing a. They had like a web series they were doing. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'd like it better if they were just hanging out and you happen, happen to somehow know that. Like, well, I think yeah, they do that too. They got coffee on Wednesdays. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Three tables over, but I was there. Um, Rachel, what did you think about the episode? Um, I agreed with a lot of what Sam said. I think that there were a bunch of points where you could kind of see forward movement. That breaking of the fourth wall was one of them. Um, some of the ongoing stuff with Jim and Pam. What bothered me was that for other characters, it doesn't seem like that's happening. And so, I, I mean, I hope that we get a payoff of, like, a good Jim and Pam moment because, you know, that's what a lot of people love. And, like, I think they're adorable, but, you know, they have kind of hit a wall since the reconciliation of their relationship. Um, but, like, I mean, Andy's still Andy. I don't know. What did you, Sam, what did you think about the Oscar bit? I don't want to spoil too much. I don't know how much I should say. Maybe uh, we should talk about that. I was kind of like half paying attention to that part. But that was like the thing with the cat, or is he like banging the uh, Angela's yeah. husband or something? He's, yeah, he's banging Angela's husband. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I don't care. Angela <laughs> deserves comeuppance, I guess, for being kind of an asshole. Um I think in regards to, like, other character stories moving forward, I think it would make sense if, like, they all stuck around. Because, I mean, that kind of just happens, you know? Um, I think, like, Jim is, you know, in theory, Jim is the guy, you know, we've been rooting for uh, throughout the series. And he's the guy who's, like, wanted out. And he's always said, like, oh, I'm not going to spend my entire life at a paper company. Yeah, but I don't even even mean development, like, in the terms of, like, some of them leaving and others staying. I just... I think that some, you know, the comment that I made earlier about Leslie Nope always being human and seeming real, like there are characters on The Office who it's just like, are clearly this just like vehicles for certain jokes. Creed being one of them. Yeah, but um, that, like that one is more acceptable, but like Andy is still annoying as hell and so is what's his face, what's her face, the one who he's dating, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, I think, I think, I think Andy and Aaron are more characters than a lot of other people in The Office. I think... I think the problem is The Office has always had, like, it's a giant cast, um, and I just, I don't think the show has ever really fully developed a lot of people. I mean, Creed has never gotten developed, obviously, but they haven't done as great a job. They've always been more focused on Michael, Jim, Pam, and Dwight. Um, That's always been, and more recently, Andy. Um, but yeah, I think the show's always kind of used these side characters more as vehicles for jokes, you know, like Angela's, you know, relationships have always kind of been played for laughs and Oscar's just kind of been on the side being, you know, smart, 
So, and, and you know, and uh, what's his name? Stanley has always just kind of been snarking in the background, too, the whole series. I don't think the show has done a particularly great job of developing those characters and making us care about where they end up. Um, I think I think the show is, is really focused on Jim and Pam and Michael. Um, of course, we don't have Michael anymore, so it's they kind of shifted it to Andy and Aaron, who... I agree, are not particularly interesting. Um, but that's the problem. I mean, this is also a show that's gone on probably three seasons too long. Yep. So I think that's to be expected. But I think, yeah, you're right. I don't I don't think we're going to get character development in this last season for Stanley. I mean, it's just never been the show's MO to really explore these side peoples like, you know, like Kevin. You know, they might, they might get an episode where we like, oh, that's nice. We've like learned something about someone. But I don't think anyone's ever going to be... We're never going to care about what happens to these people outside of, I think, Jim and Pam. That's what I think. Or Michael. So I imagine if you guys have all watched the, the uh, premiere, are you all planning to stick around through the end at this point? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've got the, the DVR, and it records it, and it's you know 22 minutes of a comedy, and if they can make me laugh every week, fine. It's, it's, never, been, it's never been poison to me. Like it's not, it's not as good as it used to be, but... I'll still watch because it's there. Chris, I'll check it. I'll check in and out as the season goes. I'm I'm a little more interested than I usually am, just because it is the final season, and I feel like they can start pulling out some of the stops they maybe have been holding on to for a while. Um, I would. I think I am interested in the resolution, the real resolutions we just talked about with Jim and Pam. So I think I might not watch it week to week, but I think I will definitely continue to check in as the season goes on. Rachel. Yeah, it's, I'll probably do something similar to Chris. I, I kind of checked out during the back half of the last season. Um, I don't even remember. Like, not only do I not, like, I just don't remember if I watched it or not, which I think is, like, even worse than me coming out and saying, like, I just straight up didn't want to watch it. Um, so I'll probably, like, keep giving it a shot every once in a while when I have time. Um, but because it's the last season, I'll probably put forth a little bit more effort. Okay. Yeah, I, uh... I was never a huge fan of the show. I thought it was great in two and three and wasn't that good after that even. So when when uh, Steve Carell left, I was out. And I, I don't think I'll come back because I, I cared about Jim and Pam until they got engaged and I haven't cared about them since. And um, I don't care about any of the other characters on the show. So I don't really care how it ends. Um, but we'll probably talk about this at least once more uh, as the finale approaches or once the finale has happened. So if you guys keep watching it, then we will discuss again. Um, but speaking of final seasons, or at least potential final seasons, uh, we want to discuss How I Met Your Mother briefly. Uh, Chris will be covering that for us this year, so if you guys haven't checked out his review, by the time this podcast goes up, his review of the, of the premiere should be out, because it does start this week, right? Yes, this Monday. So, uh, good night and good luck, Chris. Thank look forward to that. Yeah, Chris will be the third writer to try tackling How I Met Your Mother. I wrote about the show for a few seasons and then decided I didn't have any, anything else much to say except that I was angry that it wasn't going anywhere anymore. <laughs> Sam tried to write about it last year, and I think it lasted a few weeks before it exploded. Um, so, Chris, you are, you're you taking on the cursed ship now, but it's supposed to be the last season. So why don't we start with you and your thoughts on how, where the show is, where you hope it's going, and what you think about it being the last season. Well, for everyone saying that it's – for all these stories we keep seeing about how it's supposedly the last season – all these stories come with the headline, it's the last season, unless it's not the last season, because apparently there is still the possibility that it would be renewed again. And I've seen a couple theories uh, posed by the showrunners themselves about how a theoretical season after this would work. And so they, 
I think they want to end it, but they do have a plan for if they don't end it, including a um, just like a continuation of the show uh, beyond where they met the mother, or sort of like a flashback style show where you'd have an entire season where it just kind of jumps around the timeline, being like, oh, I forgot to tell you this little story, or I forgot to tell you this little story sort of thing. So while we hope this is the last season, it's not necessarily the last season, um, but we're hoping. We're really hoping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please, um, someone just shoot this horse in the head. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, like most fans, I was kind of disappointed last season just because it seemed like a whole bunch of storylines were... It, it was like it was kind of like watching a, a clip show stretched over an entire season because we had uh, plot lines that we've already done before coming back with slight twists on them or in some cases no twists at all i mean we did hey, victoria's back Ooh. yeah victoria's back uh ted and rob it, it was like it, it was <laughs> ted and robin could still be again. a thing right now. yeah <laughs> it's it was uh it was all remember how good games. that was <laughs> exactly. yeah just just uh, in case the writers didn't have enough of a problem of trying to find uh, a mother who would top robin in terms of how great she would be with ted They've decided to keep going back to that well and reminding us how great Ted and Robin were together, just in case we'd forgotten. Yeah. All and right. part of me thinks that their choice there was just to, like, make it so, like, this time around it was just complete shit to kind of sour you on it. Yeah. But it they didn't really work out that way. It just kind of made me think, like, huh, yeah, Ted and Robin really are great together, aren't they? Too bad she's not the mother. Yeah, I was watching, so my mother has a, a habit of TiVoing just full seasons of shows and then watching them. Um, so I was watching that while I was home uh, visiting a few weeks ago. I finished that season with her. And she was like, you know, I'm really sad at this point because it's clear that Ted loves Robin. Like, he loved Robin. Robin's the love of his life. And I don't think the show's going to be able to turn it around. And, you know, I was like, Mom, I feel the exact same way. Like, it just seems like it's a, it's a, a quiet tragedy now at this point that Ted's telling the story to his kids years later about how really he loved Aunt Robin, but he you never know what, to get though? with her. You know what, though? You know what? That's the show's own fucking fault. If they oh, just yeah. did yeah. what I said they should have done fucking years ago... All right, so here's my How I Met Your Mother rant. First of all, I believe a year ago or two years ago, whenever I agreed to sign up to do uh, How I Met Your Mother, basically I posed at the beginning of the season that the show was not about Ted anymore. That, I mean, it still isn't about Ted... If you look at every single promo for the show, Ted is never the cast. It's either always it's always either Colby Smolders or Neil Patrick Harris in every promo, and not just like in terms of clips from the show, but in terms of what act like what actor there. You know how CBS will kind of have like they'll show like Barney like straightening his tie next to a graphic that says "Right, How I Met Your Mother." You know they'll always have that. It hasn't been the Ted show in since I don't know season three four. It's it is now the Barney and Robin show and how their fucking love will finally come to be and we're gonna the enti- this entire season if it is the last season will all be about their wedding and then at the very end it'll be oh kids I uh, saw your mom at that wedding and then it'll end and then we're gonna get a fuck you and then Carter and whatever the fuck their names are, are gonna send a dildo in the mail. And they're going to say, shove it up your ass. Because that is basically what they have done with this show. If What they could have done to have an interesting end to the series was introduce the mother at the beginning of, say, the second to last season. And give us a full season with her and make us give a shit about why she should matter. Because now when Ted meets the mother, it'll be like, oh, they got just some actress. Or they might not even show her. They might just go, and kids, that's how I met your mother. 
And you know what? We're going to be like, well, why didn't you fucking marry uh, Robin, Dad, or Victoria, yeah. or anyone else who was better? We're not going to get to know this uh, this woman at all. Which you really need to at this point. Like we, The show has sold us uh, so many of Ted's girlfriends over the years that I, I definitely don't see how, at this point, you can have a satisfying end that doesn't involve an entire season with the mother showing us why she's great, why she's better than... I. I mean, even um, Stella at this point uh, well, is more developed than uh, any mother could conceivably be if she's gonna. If we're not even gonna get a full season with her, well, the yeah, pro- the problem I, is, I, it's like if you, you're a show. How I Met Your Mother is a show <coughs> that has been devoid of ideas to do for years, and when shows like this get stale, you know, sometimes they'll introduce a character. You know, sometimes they'll bring in a new character. They'll bring in a fucking cousin Oliver. But guess what? How I Met Your Mother had an opportunity to do that, but it to be organic and it makes sense within the world of the show. They wouldn't have to configure anything. Yeah. They'd bring in the mother and they'd have at least, they could probably squeeze fucking three seasons out of meeting the mother. They could do the whole fucking baby and all that shit if they you wanted know what? to. I don't think anyone watches the show for the mystery. Like, I don't think there's anyone watching this show being like, oh, got to piece together the puzzle. Got to figure out who the mother's going to be. We've seen an ankle here. We've seen an umbrella here. This is how the timeline works. And they have, like, writing all over their walls trying to figure out, like, how everything coincides and, like, their theories about when we're going to finally see her and whatnot. Like, everyone's there because they like these characters. They enjoy spending time with these characters. Even long after, as you said, we stop getting any kind of meaningful storylines or meaningful development with them. We still like these characters. They still make us laugh. So no one's going to tune out as soon as they introduce them. They're like, ah, there she is. I'm done. Not well, you know what? If they did that, I would fucking tune out after the mother's Because <laughs> you know what? The show, maybe it's because the mystery of the show at the beginning coincided with how good it was at the beginning. And now that's all there is. For me, it's it's just so it, you it are ha- just watching for the mystery. It hasn't before. been fun. It hasn't been funny in years, and now all that's left is the mother, which is yeah, the, the only interesting part of the show. The show is it, because I'm invested. Exactly. I mean, that is all that's left, and I do care about these characters, and I do care about who the mother is because I cared about Ted years ago, and I care about Marshall and Lily and Robin and Barney. I really do care about them, but that now all I have left is who the mother is. Because I don't really give a shit about Marshall and Lily's baby. And I don't, honestly, I don't give a shit about Robin and Barney getting married. Like that, their love, they fucked that up so hard earlier, it kind of ruined it for me. Um, so I'm ready, I'm ready, just show me the mother, fucking bring it on. Let it be Abby Elliott, I don't give a shit. <laughs> just show her, say, Sam, here's the noose. End it. <laughs> and kick over the chair. Because, uh, you know, Chris, if you're going to review it, I pay attention this year. Who is, what is this show about? Is this show about Ted? Because when the show was about Ted, even when I didn't like Ted at the beginning, I kind of thought he was kind of douchey. When the show was about Ted, it was kind of at its best. Yeah. When it was about him kind of figuring out his life and figuring out, you know, who he wants to be and who, what type of person he wants to be with. That's when the show was at its most interesting. Yeah, but now I, it's a, but now it's turned into the show about Barney reforming into a married man. And when I uh, used to write about How I Met Your Mother way back in the day, I always said the show's good seasons, and I think it was good for four seasons. 
Each one, you can break it down very easily. This was the Ted story for the season, you know? Season one, Ted realizes he wants to be in a serious relationship. Season two, Ted tries to be in a serious relationship with someone who's not going to work out with, you know? Each one broke down very clearly into, like, this is the arc, and you can see how it's building Ted toward being the man he needs to be to be with the mother. And then you hit season five, and it's like, oh, yeah, we don't do that anymore. Like, Ted's just off. Like, he's a professor or something. Here's a season's worth of stories about other characters. Ted doesn't do anything. And then, you know, when Zoe was introduced, it was like, oh, maybe they're going to give Ted a good story again. But they didn't. The Zoe storyline went nowhere. It retread stuff we'd already seen before. It Who didn't is add Zoe? Ted's character. She's the captain's wife, his girlfriend. Oh, yeah, the year. captain. I have to yeah. go check on my pasta really quick. Continue. <laughs> go check on your pasta. You know, and that, that storyline could have meant something. And I remember when they did the episode about Ted falling in love with her, um, uh, with Katy Perry, I, I, as I recall, like... That was a good episode because I was invested in Ted falling in love with the girl, and I thought, maybe this is going to go somewhere again. Maybe we'll get a real storyline out of the show again that means something for where these characters are moving and the journey they're on, which is the original investment. But no, instead, it went nowhere, and it meant nothing. And I think that's been the last three, what, three or four seasons of the show that I've just been watching the wheels spin and waiting for something meaningful to happen, or waiting for the show to even be as funny as it used to be again. Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely fallen far, far past its um, glory days. Uh, and, I mean, I if this is actually the last season, again, maybe finally we can get out of that holding pattern. But I would, Yeah, I would hope this will this will kickstart the show. Um, and, yeah, so I guess we're probably wrapping up. Rachel, do you have anything huge you want to add to all of our rants? You know, I just wanted to say that, like, I wanted to let you guys go for it because clearly you care a lot more than I do. But I think that, you know, a lot of the problems with the show come from what Chris was describing. It just seems to lack direction. Like, the is this the last season or isn't this the last season? And, like, let's get some contingency plans and, like, escape hatches and all of that shit. Like, the show has just been treading water for so long now, and it's really, really frustrating. You know, it was something that I said about The Office last season especially, and but, like, it's also been something that's, like, I think has merited mention for How I Met Your Mother for a number of seasons now, and it's just, like, it's really frustrating as a fan to have to live through all of that when you cared so much earlier and to kind of just feel like the writers and the show creators just don't even give a shit, which is really annoying. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, you're going to be covering it this this season. Depending on how that goes, I may jump in and we might do a little crosstalk style reviewing uh, once a month or so because I think that might be interesting. Sure. I plan to treat this as uh, you're covering it and as I'm watching it as the last season. I don't know. How, are, are you going to do the same? Yeah. I I mean, so far everything has pointed to that this will be the last season. Um, so that's how I will begin covering it if that becomes obvious that that's not the case. We'll change course as we go on. But I think we should we should know fairly soon into the season, I think. At least before we hit the halfway mark, I think we'll know. Yeah, I mean, they they would have to say before uh, the show wraps production, so yeah. we'll, we'll know by probably January or February, Right, I would say. Um, so yeah, check out on moviename.com. Come read our reviews of it. Uh, Chris will be covering it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, his reviews, anyway. I don't know if the show will be. Um, but stay with us on that, and we will be probably talking about how much mother again in the podcast as it hopefully enters the final stretch, and I'm sure we'll talk about the finale next year. Yeah, week um, by week, so, uh, stop by the site and watch me uh, descend into madness and despair. It'll yeah, pretty fun. How much your mother has beaten two of our critics already? Let's see <laughs> if, if Chris can survive. Um, and with that, why don't we move on, Chris, and play a little Who Would Win in a Fight? 
Okay, um, let's start off with an easy one. Let's go with, uh, okay, so you, for regular viewers of the show, you know how this works. We're going to toss out two characters from pop culture, and the panel will weigh in on who would win in a fight. Some of the fights are very specific. Other fights are a little more ambiguous, a little more open-ended. You can kind of define how the fight would work yourself. I will lay out the guidelines as we go. So our first pair of combatants are going to be, uh, let's say, let's say James Bond versus Jason Bourne. Let's do an easy one to start things off. James Bond versus Jason Bourne. Is this direct hand-to-hand -hand combat? It can be. This is going to be one of those a little more open-ended ones. It's not necessarily they are in a fight. It's each one has been ordered to eliminate the other one, and they so it's sort of a spy versus spy, yeah. but without the. Yeah. Uh, the but it, it could be it could be hand-to-hand -hand combat. So you see it well, getting to that point. It's up to you. Hmm. Rachel, what are you thinking on this? Well, I mean, the other my sec the second question that I would have then would be which James Bond we're talking about. Um, but if it were a hand-to-hand -hand combat thing, I think it would have to go to Jason Bourne. If it's a larger intrigue, then maybe it goes to Bond. But if it's like putting the two dudes in a room to fight, then I think that Jason Bourne wins hands down. I Which think, Bond, I think... Chris? Um, let's say... All right, let's say Sean Connery in his prime. Sean Connery in his prime. So I think I think Bourne is quicker, <laughs> but I think I think Sean Connery is is uh, more stone cold. Um, and I think if if it's if it's the two two in a room, I don't know if I give the easiest edge to to Bourne, but I know that if it's a larger game, then I'm giving the edge to Bond because Bourne is really good at like you know sort of counterintelligence, staying hidden in the shadows, um, and you know he's quick. Like I said, he's a quick fighter. But I think I think Bond has more resources. Um, he's got more gadgets, and he's been doing the spy thing for longer. Jason Bourne, it seems like sort of you know, he's been doing the I'm not a spy. I'm just trying to get out of the spy game for much longer than he was ever a spy. So I think if it's a larger game, I give the edge to Bond. If it's an in the room fight, you know, actually I, I'm gonna give it to Bond either way. All right, so we got one for Bourne, one for Bond. Sam, what say you? I'm going with Bond. Fuck Jason Bourne, that copycat. Fucker. <laughs> Show your work, How's Sam. The pasta, by the Show way, Sam. Work. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess what is that, Chris? How do you feel? Or, or, or are you not allowed to weigh in? I don't remember the rules. Um. Well, I, I normally don't weigh in on these, but for this one, I'm going to weigh in anyway. I'm breaking all the rules today. Yay! Um, I'm actually going to give this one to Jason Bourne because, as much as I love James Bond, um. In, in terms of, like, actual wet work spy sort of stuff, usually his um, plan is to walk into the bad guy's home and or party, get himself caught, get himself not killed, and then shoot a whole bunch of people. Whereas if this is an actual spy versus spy sort of wet work thing, I think uh, Jason Bourne has proven to be a little bit more adept at that sort of thing about actually laying plans and traps and being a little bit one step ahead of whoever's chasing him. So I'm going to give it to Jason Bourne, but... My vote doesn't count, so Bond wins. Yay! Bond always wins. Always bet on black. 
That is right. All right. So our next one is going to be uh, General Zaroff versus Katniss Everdeen. I don't know who the first is. Uh, the most dangerous game. Oh, oh, got it. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. I like that. Um, Sam, why don't we start with you this time? Um, does Katniss get a bow and arrow? And does other guy get, what, a shotgun or something? He had a pistol, I think, right? Yeah, he had a pistol. Okay. Um, yeah, Katniss can have her bow and arrow. I just think Katniss is too, like, well-versed in being hunted. You know? I'm gonna go with Katniss. Fuck it. Okay, so we got one vote for Katniss. Rachel, what do you say? Hmm. Um, because I like being difficult, is this pre-Hunger Game Oh, that's a good point. Or is this post-multiple Hunger Games slash whatever the fuck happens in the third book, Katniss? (laughs) Um, let's say Katniss has at least one Hunger Games under her belt. Then I'm going to give it to her. Um, You got to. I, I think that she would have the skills, um, and I think that her nitty-gritty, coming-from-nothing, Appalachian survival mode would um, outlast Zerop's insane extravagance. Okay, we have two votes for Katniss. Jordan? It's, so, Jordan, uh, it doesn't even be... matter what you say. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be a landslide for Katniss, because... Zaroff's whole thing is, you know, he gets people who've washed up on his island who kind of don't know what's going on, and he kind of gets the jump on them and says, this is the game, go. Um, he's, I think he's sort of relying on them not being prepared to be hunted, and it's sort of a surprise element. And sure, they get a little bit of an advantage and a little bit of time, but it's mostly, you know, people are thrown off their game, um, and they're desperate, and it's, it's based survival instincts. And Katniss has been developing those, you know. She's already been hunted in the Hunger Games. She's prepared for this sort of thing, and she's good at it. So I think she definitely wins. Okay, as a unanimous vote for Katniss Everdeen, taking out General Zaroff, for those of you keeping score at home. <laughs> uh, also, if you're doing that, stop. It's a little weird. <laughs> so let's wrap this up with one more. Um, so this one is going to be, since we've been talking about TV for a little while, uh, Barney Stinson versus Jeff Winger in some sort <laughs> of weird paintball slash laser tag amalgam game Ooh. of some sort. Well, this is easy. Barney would win, but I'm kind of fucking angry at Barney, so I hope Jeff can find a way to fucking beat him. But Barney would win. All right. Barney's the king of that sort of thing. That is very true. So one vote for Barney. Jordan? Yeah, Barney's going to win, because think about it, Jeff Winger is all about apathy, um, and he's he was never that into the paintball thing until, you know, halfway through. Barney is loves laser tag. From the pilot, Barney has been, like, laser tag obsessed he plays it all the time, and he's like the regional champion. He, he's got the experience, and he's into it, whereas Jeff Runger's probably going to take a while to realize that he has to care about everyone around him and or himself and or the game. So by the time Jeff Winger decides to give a shit uh, about the 14-minute mark of a 22-minute episode, for example, <laughs> then um, I think Barney's already killed him, moved on, and got off to bank some women. But you're, you're, you're underestimating the factor here that Barney is wearing a suit for this, and Jeff has a paintball gun. So I think Barney's <laughs> going to be a little off his game. He would be a little afraid. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way. Rachel? 
Um, if it's if it's one on one, I think I'd give it to Barney. But if it's a team thing, then I think I'd have to give it to Winger because I think that the community team would be better than the How I Met Your Mother team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's certainly true. Yeah. But if it's a one on one, depending on what suit Barney's wearing and how he feels, you know what? To be fair, though, I think that he would try to shut it down even faster if he was wearing <coughs> a suit and he was up against paintball because he wouldn't want to get hit. Yeah, so he might be panicked, but he's probably going to be, you know, cool, calculated, shut it down before things get out of hand, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so another unanimous win for Barney Stinson. So we've had two unanimous wins in this round of Who Would Win. This was a, a pretty exciting pulse-pounding round, I have to say. Next time. Um, and with that, why don't we move on? And Chris, you and I are going to talk a little bit about DC's Zero Month Initiative. So why don't you give us all the pitch on that, and then we'll discuss. Okay, right. so... Um, Jordan, before, before you guys start, i got to run. All right, go ahead and go time. off and do your thing. I got to go eat my spaghetti. Have a good go, week. Go eat your spaghetti. See you next week, Sam. All right, bye. All right, Chris? Okay, so um, as viewers who have been following our comic section uh, probably know and that uh, about a year ago, DC uh, rebooted all of their continuity and relaunched their entire publishing line with new number one issues. And to celebrate the one-year anniversary of this, they have launched something called Zero Month, where for one month, every title gets a zero issue, most of which are flashbacks that kind of reveal the new origins or fill in what the characters were doing um, before we saw them in these number one issues and kind of start to answer some of these questions about this new continuity that um, fans have been wondering about ever since uh, the new 52, as it's called, was launched. Uh, we are through three weeks of the of these books. We have one more week to go, um, but we I think we've seen enough of them that we can kind of weigh in on what we think of this whole month and what we've learned so far. So uh, let me kick this off by Jordan. What do you what do you think of the month as a whole? Um, and uh, do you think uh, this was a good idea, or have you been enjoying yourself? General impressions. General impressions. I was against this from the beginning, and I haven't really been turned around on it. Uh, I think, in theory, it's a good idea to give some continuity background to a lot of the questions that have been raised and a lot of the, I'm not really sure where we stand ideas, because I feel like reading a lot of these books, I don't know a lot about DC continuity, but I do know that I know even less now than I would have a year ago, having been reading the books for the last year, because there are a lot of questions where it's, you know, if Batman's only been around five years, what what is the lineup on the Robins, for example? That's the biggest question to me, like, how long did each Robin serve as Robin? Um, and when was that in Batman's run? So questions like that, I think, need an answer. But doing the zero month, as opposed to maybe sprinkling in uh, continuity throughout the natural progression of the storylines, it stopped dead in its tracks the momentum I had in a lot of the stories I loved. You know, We were in the middle of a crossover for Animal Man and Swamp Thing, and that just got stopped entirely for a month. Um, Batman's on a great run right now. Scott Snyder's killing it and is about to bring back the Joker, and that had to be pushed back a month for this. So I think all the books that I liked reading, I was irritated about. And the ones I'm, I'm not reading and the ones that I'm not as invested in, then this is just another month where I'm like, well, I don't really care about this. So, it, you know, it pushes me one month closer to stop to not reading the book at all. Um, so I think it was it was a terrible idea and I, uh, I haven't really been turned around on it. What about you? I, I tend to agree with you. I wasn't really excited about this going into it. Um, and as you said, I haven't really been turned around on it. I think it's very telling that um, 
Animal Man Swamp Thing, which uh, two two of the best books that DC is publishing right now. Um, I think these zero issues may have been two of the worst issues to come out of this series. Not that they were bad or anything. It's just that I don't think every book really needed a zero issue. I think those two were extremely accessible. And the zero issue we got from each didn't really actually tell us anything new. They basically just were extended flashback sequences to things that were already kind of alluded to as we went on. Um, and it, it was basically just, it, it felt like filler in a lot of cases. Um, and there were some exceptions, I will say. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, I, I, I enjoyed um, the Wonder Woman zero issue. Um, I thought that was kind of a there, there was kind of a clever device used there. Uh, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang uh, wrote it and drew and illustrated the issue as if it was like a Silver Age comic book. So the dialogue is a little hokey. The captions are a little like bombastic and over the top, and it, it, it was very fun all around. But um, I think that was the exception, not the rule. Um, yeah, for me, it just killed a lot of the momentum to storylines I was kind of enjoying, and I found myself very much just looking forward to getting to October and just being done with this. Yeah, definitely. I feel the exact same way. Um, though, yeah, I mean, Wonder Woman still can do no wrong in my eyes, oh, so yeah. I, I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> uh, for fans of comics uh, who have not been reading, check out Chris's comic section on the website, reviewyourname.com, and you can also check out our special uh, podcast episode 6.1, which was an all-comics podcast discussing the highs and lows of the first year of the DC New Universe Initiative. So you should check those out. Uh, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up uh, by announcing the winner of the Rachel Tardiff Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. Um, I'm not going to ask you guys for a drum roll this week because every time I do, I regret it and I'm learning from my mistakes. So I'm just going to go ahead and announce that uh, the winner of this week was the cast of the West Wing. This is not that surprising considering the uh, the makeup of this podcast and considering our love for that show. Oh, Lincoln Park. And Lincoln Park <laughs> and Leonard Skinner, Yeah. They, uh, they didn't come out on top here. Linkin Park may be winning YouTube, but it is not winning the Rachel's Heart of Memorial Award. So. I, I was I, so I, sure it was going to be Linkin Park. I almost right. want to get a little more specific and even say that it goes directly to Alice and Janney. You know, I think, I think most of the votes uh, that were coming in in our very complicated system were going to Alice and Janney. So I'm, I'm okay with being specific and saying, Alice and Janney, you specifically win. Though if the entire cast of uh, the West Wing wants to show up and claim their trophy and small cash prize, then they can all get uh, the same amount. So, I mean, they're going to have to split it, but they can all come down and, and get a trophy. You realize I love you've you, just, West Wing! You've just upset a billion Linkin Park fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. There are now, because, uh, you know, everyone only watches the videos once. So, there are now... I know how YouTube like, works. One, one sixth of the world is upset at the Ruby Name podcast, so... The other five, six, I imagine you're all listening um, across the globe. Take up arms and defend us so that the Lincoln Park fans don't uh, kill us and ruin the podcast. <laughs> um, with that, all I want to say is uh, the usuals. Come check out the website at reviewbenamed.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at reviewbenamed or email us at reviewbenamed at gmail.com uh, with ideas for the podcast, specific nominees for any, uh, who won the week or any games that we might be playing. Uh, in this installment and future installments. So let us know if you have any ideas, if you like things, if you don't like things, at any of those areas. Um, next week, we'll be doing uh, some new things. We'll be talking about the new Mumford & Son album. We'll be playing a new game. So check us out again next week. Uh, for now, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you'll check out the website. And we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.